Good afternoon and welcome to Arts Wrap. I'm Alicia Kintner, President and CEO of ArtsWave, the engine for the arts in the Cincinnati, Ohio region. I am so honored today to be joined by two very special guests, very special friends, John Moeller, who is Chairman, President and CEO of Procter & Gamble, and Lisa Sauer, retired P&G executive, life trustee of ArtsWave, and incidentally married to John. Together, they are co-chairing the ArtsWave Community Campaign for 2024. Welcome, John and Lisa. Thank you. We're it's great to be, to be here. here. Yeah. You both have a long history with the arts in Cincinnati and with ArtsWave. And P&G, as a company founded and headquartered in Cincinnati, also has a long history with the arts and arts wave. And fun fact, William Cooper Proctor was the first person to be elected as chairman of our board of directors in 1927. So we do share a long history. And not to put any pressure on you, John, but <laughs> over the decades, CEOs of P&G have traditionally conducted among the very best regional campaigns for the arts. So thank you for that leadership. We look forward to doing the same. Awesome. Amazing. And I also like to point out that P&G employees as a workforce collectively contribute the most to the arts here and elsewhere as, as a group of employees. So that's remarkable. And I think this relationship between a global corporation and the arts in its headquarters city is unique and probably the envy of other cities. So I'm curious, I know that corporate social responsibility and giving back is a huge part of the core values of P&G, but, but John, is it beyond that? Are there connections between business and the arts that you see? It's much more fundamental than that, actually. Um, <clears throat> we have an objective of recruiting, developing, retaining the best talent in the world present company accepted. And uh, that's very difficult to do without a vibrant community, of which arts is uh, a significant part. Um, as I talk to people about the importance of art in a, in a civic environment, I often refer to New York. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you took New York and removed Broadway, you removed the Metropolitan Museum and MoMA, you removed Lincoln Center, uh, and the other music venues, you remove the Statue of Liberty, what would you have left that uh, would create interest and make people want to not just uh, live and work there, but, but visit there? Um, so I view the arts as fundamental to community, to community building, to community vibrancy, and that's incredibly important to all the businesses that make their home here. Absolutely. It, the arts create a place where we want to live and work. Um, and Lisa, you're involved in uh, the arts sort of at the street level and with historic preservation. How do you see art and community coming together? Well, I number one, start from, I think art makes life better. It makes the place we live in and we like our home, but also our city more beautiful and more interesting, more challenging from a, from a thought process. So I, I see it both from the way John does from a business standpoint to attract and retain. I think that's critically important, but I also see the element of making life better and who doesn't want to live in a beautiful place and art makes a place beautiful. It, it certainly does. And we are fortunate to have the number and variety of arts organizations here. And and to use your New York analogy in one step further, if we didn't have what we have here, the Cincinnati Art Museum and the 
beautiful new playhouse in the Park Theater and our Aronoff Center and on and on and on, Cincinnati wouldn't be the Absolutely. place that it and, is. And it's interesting that you brought up historic preservation, too, with that, because it's not just about the organizations inside those buildings. Some of the buildings by themselves are spectacular, and they really make our city a, a wonderful place to be. Absolutely. Well, and that's one of the keys to the thriving film industry, too, right? Our city can be uh, transformed because of our incredible architecture of old and contemporary buildings. In fact, we just did a study of capital investments in the arts over the last decade or so in the Cincinnati region, and there's been more than $750 million directly invested in restoring these historic theaters and concert halls and creating new construction. And the ripple effect of those direct spending dollars, you know, magnifies with, with indirect. Another fun fact, that spending represents 8% of the construction industry in the Cincinnati region. So another interconnection with the economy. I know you both have seen that recent economic impact study that we did with the Cincinnati Regional Chamber. Um, big impact, like I would have hoped to see, but did it surprise you or, or did anything stand out in that study? So I, there were two things really that, that stood out to me. One was um, the putting a number against the impact just in general, because I think people feel like, well, maybe a lot of people feel like the arts are something I do for fun. You uh -huh. know, to me, they're very personal. Therefore, I've never thought about what the economic impact is. And when you put a number against it, you think, oh my gosh, they are a significant part of the economy. And that's great to see that dimensionalized. Mm -hmm. I think that's really great. The other thing, and John and I have talked about this a bit, is, is how much inflation has impacted the arts. And um, if you just look at the last um, the last largest campaign that ArtsWave ran about 10 years ago, um, and you took the um, inflation number, we should be raising um, about $16 million for the arts this year to equal what was raised uh, 10 years ago. And, um, and yet what we raised last year was $11.9 million, which was a really great campaign that was led. Mm -hmm. So we're way off of that mark. There's a lot um, that we need to really make up for. Mm-hmm. It, it actually didn't surprise me. <clears throat> I wouldn't have been able to tell you exactly what the number was, but mm -hmm. I uh, would have been pretty sure that it was significant. All you have to do is look at something, um, look at the Blink weekend. Yes. And see the amount of um, <clears throat> of people that that draws into our community, uh, both from surrounding communities and surrounding states and all over the world, quite frankly. Um, and it, it's not hard to project a, a significant economic impact associated with that just just that one event. That's right. And that's uh, one of, as you rightly said, many mm -hmm. um, uh, very impactful um, art uh, happenings that exist in our city. Absolutely. I think the blink number alone, 2 million people, you know, a lot of people, a lot of ancillary spending, I think they calculated about 250 million direct and indirect. And then the arts, 365 days a year, 150 activities or more, um, that was nearly 500 million. So together, three quarters of a billion dollars. And so that is a significant driver in our economy and an employer of, of note as well. Um, 
one of the things that surprised us about the study was this idea of location quotient or LQ, which I now believe I understand is the measure of the workforce size in any sector relative to what you would expect for population size. Is that more or less accurate? So we over-index mm -hmm. in the Cincinnati region in the arts and culture sector by 48%. So as a not only as a destination to consume and experience art, but to be a creative worker, this is a, a wonderful place. Um, and speaking of creativity, we've got a lot of creative people here. And, and in fact, we've been called the brand capital of the world in part because of Procter & Gamble and all those creative professionals support what you do, certainly. Is creativity something that you would look for uh, when you're searching for the best talent around the world? Uh, definitely. Um, it's, a, it's a key um, quality or characteristic that makes a big difference in our business and, and many others. Uh, and the people that, those kind of people that we want to attract, typically, I don't want to overgeneralize, but relate to the arts and look for the um, vibrancy of the arts community as they evaluate their choice to come to come work with us. That's that's good to hear and good. Um, you know, we actually create more. This isn't necessarily a good thing, but we create <laughs> more pieces of art at PNG each year than are housed in the Louvre. What? Mm -hmm. Because each, if you think about each label, <coughs> that's uh -huh. a piece of art. You're right. Each package. Each package. Each yeah. pack the design. The advertising thinking. itself. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, that's an amazing statistic, um, and and it makes sense that PG is the top workplace campaign for the arts because you're all inherently artists. That's that's awesome. Um, we like to talk about creativity being something that leaders seek in their employees and their teams, but we don't necessarily, as a society or community, invest in building creativity in kids. So. You know, John, I know you chaired the Cincinnati Art Museum for a long time. Talk about why education and the, the arts programs for kids are important from the museum's perspective. Well, there's an education and hopefully the development of art appreciation, mm -hmm. uh, which the arts institutes um, have a stake in. And <clears throat> it creates uh, social awareness. It creates awareness of people who aren't like me, right. uh, it allows me to um, interact with them and, and become friends with them and learn from them. Um, the arts you know, are really a great convenient force across cultures, and that's whether you're a child or, or a grandparent. Absolutely, absolutely. And the Cincinnati Art Museum is a great place to see that in action because it does bring in all ages, all professions, all sorts of arts seekers uh, under one And if roof. I could, let me just yeah. talk a little bit about the Art Museum, not to um, advertise it, but just because it's where I have a lot of uh, experience, and I think there's an important point that comes out of it. One of the wonderful things about the Cincinnati Arts Museum is that it's admission-free. Mm. Um, and... Uh, that used to be true for admission, but you paid for parking, you now pay for uh, nothing. Hmm. Why is that important? One, of course, accessibility of the arts, 
again to children and grandchildren, um, but it highlights why we're here. Uh, ArtsWaves provides uh, a, a, a not insignificant part of the operating budget for an institution like the Cincinnati Art Museum. Without it, we would find it very difficult to exist or we'd have to become less accessible. And that's true of most of the arts institutions uh, within uh, the city that we all, all enjoy. Um, and again, I'll link it back uh, to business because that's part of my job. Um, <clears throat> if that, even if you're not a lover of the arts, understanding the funding mechanism uh, for them, and then again, the link to creating a community that other people uh, want to live and work in shouldn't be underestimated. So to, to paraphrase something that Lisa said, it's not just a pretty painting. <laughs> That's right. It's vitally important to maintaining the quality of life and the assets that generations have spent creating. And um, so there, there is, well, we like to talk at ArtsWave about how do we instill that sense of personal responsibility in our community, throughout the community, for these assets, whether or not we're actively engaging regularly with them. And that is one of our big challenges at ArtsWave. And Lisa, you know, I've talked that even though our donors are so generous and actually giving more today than yesterday, there are fewer of them. And how do we reverse that trend? And, you know, 25,000 donors sounds like an awful lot, but it used to be... 45,000. 45,000. So Amazing. how do we find another 20,000, another 60,000 people? Um, because I do think that it is a defining characteristic, the arts of this community. And so how do we make people uh, engage more? I think, I think you know, part of it you, you hit on earlier, which is uh, the generational aspect of educating uh, people to appreciate mm -hmm. uh, what, what we have in this community. I also think uh, there's a big opportunity to appeal to broader and more diver diverse groups with mm -hmm. the art itself. Uh, yes. And that uh, brings in a, a broader interest, not just, again, on the part of arts lovers, but um, where there's a real link between what's being produced or exhibited um, and uh, the creation of a diverse, connected community. People have an interest in that happening. And um, um, so both the business aspect, that social aspect, mm -hmm. um, I think are the ways to, in my mind, continue to, to reverse the trend and expand. Yeah, one of the things you said, which, which is very interesting if you look historically, the arts used to be a really fundamental part of our education system. And, right. You know, when we grew up, you always took art in school and it was it was there. And it, those those things have been cut over the years. And so the arts are not um, I know in Cincinnati public school, they're not part of the curriculum uh, and unless some somebody else funds them. <laughs> and uh, that's one of the things that's exciting about one of the new initiatives that ArtsWave is doing. I think the more arts, more kids and being able to raise money to provide arts experiences for kids in grades one through six. That, that brings not only what you all talked about, an appreciation of, of creative thinking and all that stuff, but improved test scores and all these other right. benefits when kids are exposed to the arts. But then hopefully it develops more arts-aware children who become 
more arts engaged as they grow up and then want to support the arts long term. It is a potentially a long term proposition. And you're right, the sooner we get better at it, um, developing that pattern of participation in young kids, really important. All these social benefits that you're both describing um, really mirror ArtsWave's blueprint for collective action, which is our funding investment framework. Lisa, you chaired many grants panels uh, and still interact with all of our arts organizations. How have you seen the, the cultural product evolve and organizations searching for that relevancy for, for diverse groups? Well, I mean, if you go back to the beginning of why we have a blueprint for, right. for um, collective action in the arts, it really stemmed from the fact that ArtsWave did research a uh, long time ago and discovered that a lot of the people who were supporting ArtsWave in the city weren't really participants in the arts, but they realized that the arts were vital for a strong community. Therefore, that gave um, uh, an incentive for ArtsWave to focus on a very specific goal of a more vibrant economy and more connected community through the arts, and then trying to come up with strategies of how to do that, mm -hmm. which really speak to the people who are giving to ArtsWave. And that, that um, once ArtsWave did that with the strategic plan, then the engagement of the arts organization in, in terms of bringing that to life was really important. What, what I saw was in the beginning when we rolled out the strategy, it was hard for some of the arts organizations to understand, okay, how do I put Cincinnati on the map or how do I, you know, fuel creativity and learning or, um, and, but once they started looking at what they were doing, they, they could figure it out. And, and I've seen our arts organizations really become very fluent in talking about their impact. Mm -hmm. And it's so encouraging because it's something that everybody can understand when they talk in language like that, that here is how many people we're touching, or here's how we're, um, we're driving other in economic factors for the city. It's, it's really encouraging to see, and it enables a side benefit for the arts organizations is once they learned how to speak in an impact language and more clearly show what they were doing, that also gets broader donations. Right. From, you know, it's something that other people want to hear who are, who are other funding sources. Absolutely. I, I think back to early marketing campaigns for United Arts Funds that would have a beautiful ballerina on the cover of them and appeal to what this dancer needs to thrive as a dancer. And then how we, ArtsWave and the community here, flip the switch. So it's what does the community need to thrive? And, and the dancer is, is part of the expression of the community's health and wellness. Um, another thing that I look back on in my tenures here is how the boards of arts organizations have been part of this dialogue. And as they've searched for new leaders, they've prioritized that. And I think you really can see the commitment of our, our civic and business community leaders bringing people into the arts community that share those values. And John, you were part of that search, I think, at the Art Museum. I'm thinking of that in particular. But it's, it's not just there. We have a, a generation of cultural leaders, I think, who, who value that. Yeah, we were that. literally lit looking for a director who <clears throat> had a, a passion uh, and a commitment um, to the impact that, that that institution could have on the community. Um, and what had been 
arguably um, been kind of a fort on top of the hill <laughs> and uh, was not as well connected to the community as Cameron has enabled it to become. Yes. And many museums, of course, have that kind of reputation as being up there for somebody else. Um, and and what the team there has done is literally open it up and, and make it visible and accessible. <clears throat> you, go to, you go to the Cincinnati Art Museum at Friday after dark, and you will see community. Right. That's an invitation to everyone listening today, uh, Art After Dark at the Cincinnati Art Museum. What are your goals as co-chairs for the ArtsWave campaign, you know, financially or otherwise? What what do you want people to do and know? And Well, the number one thing is we, we want to bring the campaign back to pre-pandemic funding levels. So the pandemic, the arts took a hit more broadly and the campaign did too. So number one, we want to get it back and hopefully to exceed that from a financial standpoint. And I think also the other goal is to make people much more aware of what ArtsWave is and ArtsWave's impact in the community. Mm -hmm. Nothing to add. <laughs> well, then maybe the, the best way to leave it is reminding people how they can give. Um, it's super easy online at www.artswave.org backslash give. And, um, and we thank everyone who has given and is considering giving and will hopefully join to make this the, the biggest campaign. Um, yet. 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 And I would just add that uh, for those uh, who might be listening to this who feel they don't have the means to give, um, you can give of your time as well. There are significant uh, volunteer uh, opportunities within the arts community that ArtsWave and others can connect you to. That's absolutely right. Every hour and every dollar add up to, to big impact, and, um, and that's how we stay the number one community arts campaign in the U.S., well, thank you both for spending time with me. I know we'll be spending more time together in the coming weeks talking about the arts and, and connecting people to them. Um, but until then, it's a wrap. Great. Thanks, Alicia. Thank you. Thank you.